morning church let's stand together to worship singing from the rooftops that Jesus is Lord amen
on. Somebody believe that this morning. Oh, he won't. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. He won't fail. Sing a love song to Jesus, Lord. Whatever that looks like for you. Don't worry about your neighbor.
lost.
How many people would say you have drama in your life? Anybody have drama? How many people are around drama all the time? Uh, next week, we're going to begin a series that uh, uh, deals with just that subject. When we begin to look at the, uh, the book of Jonah and uh, everything that Jonah went through, uh, there was some, some drama in Jonah's life, and it was drama that he could have avoided. And uh, we're going to look for the next four weeks, uh, starting next week, uh, at a chapter a week at the life of Jonah. How many people remember the story of Jonah? Anybody remember that? How many people heard the story of Jonah in VBS? Anybody? All right. Uh, so that's a perfect segue. If you think about, if you raised your hand and you remember, how many people remember going to VBS, VBS growing up? Now you think about how long ago that's been. For some of you, it's been a long time. But it had an impact on your life. And uh, so this year, for the first time ever, uh, when we moved into this building, we said we're going to do everything that we can do to reach the families and the community around us. Uh, so when we moved in in 2019, we weren't ready. Then 2020 happened, and we know that that was COVID, and, uh, and then 2021 was much of the same. So this year, for the first time ever, we're going to be able to do a VBS in, at the end of June. And uh, you can sign up for that. Actually, I think you're going to have a meeting right after service uh, here in the auditorium just for a few minutes. But what we're looking for are workers. We can never have enough workers. Uh, we're wanting to, to get out into the, the community and, and let them know that, uh, that we're going to have something for their kids and something for them. And uh, so we want you to be a part. And if you think back about how impactful that was in your life, you probably maybe you can remember someone who, who helped. That can be you. And uh, we're looking forward to that, and we would love for you to be a part because we know that, that it's our job and it's our duty to take care of uh, uh, the children and, and those around this church. And uh, so be sure and, and uh, stay for that meeting. You can sign up downstairs in the cafe, and uh, we will look forward to a great, great VBS. If you want to know about things like that that happen, uh, that are going on, there's a QR code on the back of your pew. That QR code, uh, we, we did that when COVID, we said we need to do anything we can do to be free from paper. And uh, so that QR code is on the back of your uh, pew. You can scan that. It'll take you to what we call the Gateway Church Lobby. Uh, in that lobby, you can do all kinds of things. Uh, if you're a guest, first of all, thank you for being here. Uh, and if you'll scan that QR code, uh, you can select I'm new and ask, answer about three questions just so that we can uh, thank you for being here. Uh, and um, if you're a regular, you can check in. Uh, if you're a regular, you can give from that lobby. You can uh, do icons of things. You can get prayer requests, praise reports. Uh, everything that you need to be able to do, you can find at that website that will, uh, you'll be directed to when you scan that QR code. We want to thank you for being here. We want to thank you for allowing us to be part of your Sunday, uh, and not just part of your Sunday, but part of your life. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing. We're excited about what we're going to have going on this summer. And uh, we look forward to, to you being uh, a part. We believe that life is better together. Have you ever heard me say that? If you haven't, I'm going to say it right now one more time. Life is better together. Look at the person sitting beside you and say, life is better together. If you're married, you better be sure and say that. You're going to get in trouble if you didn't. Uh, but we, uh, we know that uh, being together is something that we so much love and enjoy. Uh, this morning, uh, we, we are blessed.
to have a, a number of great speakers uh, that, that attend church here and that uh, a lot of them do, do things behind the scenes. And uh, this morning we, we are uh, privileged to have Pastor Aaron. He's going to speak for us this morning. Uh, Aaron and his wife Jessica, uh, they've been with us uh, almost since the beginning, uh, which uh, we are working on uh, uh, 16 years. We're about 15 and a half years. Uh, they've been here about 15. And uh, they came in one Sunday and we didn't let them leave. So if you're a guest, uh, you know that this is your plight right here. 15 years from now, you're going to be sitting here and um, somebody else will probably be pastor. Um, uh, maybe not. I don't know. I'm, can you retire at 60? Anybody, anybody retire at 63? Now, I know people right now, you're thinking, you're thinking, oh, he's 48. You math people. Uh, but we're excited about uh, pa Pastor Aaron sharing with us this morning. I'm going to ask him to come and uh, let's give him a, a, a hand clap of uh, appreciation this morning. Thank you. We, uh, we love being part of this church. We love our pastor. We love the staff. And most of all, we love you all. Um, so this morning, I want to I talk about change. How many people like change? Nobody? Someone said over there halfway. <laughs> So-so. So change is inevitable, and change is all around us. And some of us react differently to it than others. Uh, some of us accept it. Some of us resist it. Some of us fear it, change. Um, many of us, we know we need change in our life, but we don't know how we're going to bring it about. We don't know how to change. Uh, for others of us, change is thrust upon us, whether it's through the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, things that significantly and unexpectedly alter your life. Some of us are so set in our ways that we refuse to change, and the only way we change is with anger and resentment. But some people have given up all hope of change. They think, well, this... Is always, my life is always going to be this way. Things will always be this way. They see no hope of anything changing. Sometimes the change is so great that it alters the course of our lives. And some would call this an inflection point. A point at which your life changes its trajectory. And sometimes an event or an individual is so significant that they alter the course of history and all of humanity. It's forever changed by that event or by that individual. And no change has been so great as that of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of God's mandate for him. So I want to start with a verse of Scripture out of Luke Chapter 4, beginning with verse 14. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report went about him, a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue. On the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. 
And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of the sight of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, <clears throat> to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all the congregation were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Christ fulfilled the biblical prophecy of Isaiah 700 years after Isaiah penned those words. Jesus was seen as a radical of his time, a man who upset the establishment, established religion, the established order. And he was a man in whom was full of the Spirit of God. The scribes and the Pharisees would get up and they would read and they would teach and they sought acclaim. They liked to be seen. They were so disconnected with God. The Bible says, they only had lip service, but their hearts were far from God. So far from God that they couldn't recognize the Messiah, the very Son of God when he stood before them. And they resisted him. The scriptures that prophesied of him that he fulfilled every one, but yet the scriptures that they felt that they were authorities in, they couldn't discern that this was the Christ. The Bible says when Christ would speak that the people would marvel because he spoke as one having authority. He had the ultimate authority, a mandate from God the Father to usher in the kingdom of God, to break the curse of sin, and to bring a glorious and a permanent salvation to mankind. He was the promised Messiah that was foretold since creation, he was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. He was a savior come to bring change, radical change, to a world that needed it. Jesus was sourcing his scripture. He was reading from Isaiah chapter 61. And I want to break that up and start with verse 1. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So the Spirit of God, first of all, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of God was active in the Old Testament among prophets, priests, and kings. But upon Israel's rejection of God... The heavens between the Old Testament and the New Testament were virtually shut up for 400 years. We don't know of any canonized scripture inspired of God that was written during that period of time. A nation like Israel that once held the presence of God, he once dwelt among them in the tabernacle and then the temple. He placed his name in Jerusalem he was their glory. He was their God. He was their source. 
the Spirit of God had left Israel. They were now what seemed to be a has-been people, like any other nation who could only reminisce of the days of God's glory. The Old Testament ended with these words. Malachi chapter 4, beginning with verse 5, says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So this great dearth ended with the coming of John the Baptist, who the Bible says was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. And he preached the coming of Jesus Christ. And he baptized his followers. And he said that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And his baptism that he baptized them was, was prophetic of Jesus' death, burial, and his resurrection. And when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he had John to baptize him. In the river Jordan. And the Bible says when he came up out of the water that the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove. And the Father spoke audibly and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus arrived, he came as a man full of the Spirit of God, empowered for service with a power and a boldness that Israel had not seen since the prophets of old that their fathers had martyred and rejected their message. The kings in the Old Testament were anointed with a, a holy anointing oil that was prepared by the delicate craft of apothecary. And Jesus was anointed king of Israel, just was promised to his forefather David, that his throne, not a kingdom of this world, but that his throne would be established forever. The kingdom of God. And not, his mission was not to overthrow the Roman Empire, as many thought, but it was to bring about change, to preach the gospel to the poor. So to, he came to preach the gospel to the poor. Before Christ, men on this earth had a miserable existence. They had a bleak future, and sin had cursed the entire earth and all of mankind. And the Spirit of God had departed from Israel. They were oppressed time after time by different oppressors, and at the time of Jesus by the Roman Empire. The prophet Isaiah spoke much of Jesus, perhaps his book gave the most messianic prophecies of any. And one of them, he referred to Jesus, the Messiah, as the bright and the morning star. In such a world, such a destitute place, trapped in darkness. The Bible says that there were shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And suddenly, there appeared a host of angels to them. And the shepherds were afraid, and they said to them, Fear not, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
And they began to worship God, all the heavenly hosts. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The bright morning star, the metaphor of the sun rising. This dark and this weary world saw a glimpse of the sun over the horizon. The Messiah had come. John chapter 12, verse 46 says, He came as a light unto this world. He brought the good news of the gospel. It was a simple message, but a message that changed man, radically changed the world. It was reviled by the religious establishment. They, and some of the nobles, they seek to squash it, to snuff it out. But to the poor and the afflicted, to the outcast, the sun began to rise for the first time in 400 years. They had hope. This man named Jesus preached of their salvation, of how those who'd been shut out for so long could now be forgiven of their sins, that they could come out of the shadows into the light and be reconciled with God. This deep darkness that had covered the earth caused by sin was illuminated by the glory of the Son of God and His message of the gospel. The same gospel that we preach to you. The same gospel I preach here today. It hasn't lost its power. It hasn't lost its appeal and it hasn't lost its shine. It's still just as relevant today it's the days it was first preached. I could hear it a thousand times, and yet I would beg you to hear it a thousand more because it is the power of God unto salvation. When God called me to preach, He called me to preach the gospel. And that is what I intend to do till my dying breath to tell of a Savior that came to this world to bring change. The Bible says in this scripture, in chapter 61, verse 1, that he came to bind up the brokenhearted. He came for a people whose lives were shattered by sin. You see, a life without Christ is miserable. A heart constantly breaking, hopelessness, when you're in trouble without God, you have nowhere to go. You have no recourse. You have no one to run to. No way to be healed. The things of this world cannot fill that void, cannot take that place of God. People try to numb the pain with drugs and alcohol and other vices. But you may have been hurt. You may have been crushed in your life. You may feel like everyone has betrayed you and let you down. You may feel like your life is an utter ruin, a disaster, a tragedy. That your heart has been shattered on a million, in a million pieces on the floor. When people find broken things that are beyond repair, they throw them away. They discard them. There's no hope for it. But here came a man who loves broken things. 
who came to heal the brokenhearted, who can pick up every piece of you and put you back together again, who can take your broken heart and can heal it like no one and nothing else can do. And that is why he came to put us back together. His mission was to heal the brokenhearted. He was the Savior bringing change. It says he came to proclaim liberty to the captives, a sin that had imprisoned mankind. It binds them with constant guilt. It fetters them with their pasts. The enemy will come as an angel of light and he'll take you down a path that you don't want to go and entangle you in sin to the point where you can't get out. And even when you try, you're pulled back in. But, and many heavy chains were bound by the people of this earth prior to Christ. And even to this day, they needed a Savior who could set them free from this bondage. And that's why he came to proclaim liberty to the captives. To tell you now you can be free from your sin. You can be free from your guilt. You can be free from your past. To open the prison doors. And people that were once slaved to their past. Once slaved to sin. Once slaved to the devil. Who saw no way out. Who only saw iron bars. And stone walls if you will. He came to open the prison doors for them, for us. The Bible tells the story of the Gadarean demonic who was a man in Gadarea. He was a wild man, a crazy man, who would wander in the mountains naked, cutting himself with stones and crying out day and night, oppressed by the devil. But when Jesus stepped foot on that shore... The demons took notice, and they came running to him. The man did. And Jesus cast out the devil and said, Come out of this man, you unclean spirit. And the Bible says that man went into the city and was clothed and in his right mind. <clears throat> the people in the city marveled. They're like, Is this the same man that we stayed away from? Is this the same man that we couldn't bind with chains or fetters? Is this the same man that wandered naked and cutting himself with stones? He is sane. He is clothed in his right minds because when Jesus touches you, no matter how far you are gone, no matter how unreachable you seem, no matter how far your loved ones seem to be, and it seems like there's no hope of them ever, accepting Christ, can I tell you that you're never too far gone where Jesus cannot reach you. You're never too far in the devil's grasp but that he can't set you free. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Oppression is alleviated, alleviated in his presence. Chains fall off in his presence. And prison doors burst open in his presence. Scripture says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. His atonement didn't just bring you salvation, but he brought your liberty. He bought your freedom. 
He burst the prison doors open so that you could walk free as, as a free man or woman, acceptable before God, an heir of God, and a joint heir with Jesus. He came to set us free, a Savior bringing change. I want to go to verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 61. It says, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. In Israel, every 50 years, they would have what they called the year of jubilee. And during this year, every person that owed a debt was released of it. Everyone who was a slave or an indentured servant was set free from their slavery. And everyone that had lost property during that 50-year period, it was restored to them. Jesus' coming brought about an eternal, unending year of jubilee. I suppose we should call it now the eternity of jubilee because he irreversibly paid our debts. He irreversibly set us free. He irreversibly restored to us everything that was taken by sin. We owed a debt that we could never pay. We could sacrifice a thousand bulls and a thousand goats, but our sin would still begin to show through again. But Jesus came as the ultimate sacrifice. He was the scapegoat on which we all laid our guilty hands and passed our sins onto him, and he carried it as far as the east is from the west. He cast it into the depths of the ocean, never to be remembered again. The ocean that to this day is only... 80% of it has not been discovered, has been unexplored. Can I tell you that when he takes your sin, it's gone forever. He carried our sins, never to be seen again. The blood of Christ doesn't just cover it, it eradicates it. It washes it away forever. The debt is paid. We are free from slavery. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I no longer call you my servants, but my friends. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 4, says, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastation of many generations. Israel had been destroyed when they rejected God, when they turned away from God. Oppressors came in and destroyed the temple, destroyed their cities, destroyed their homes, carried them away captive. They had lost everything to sin. But can I tell you that Jesus, when he comes, he brings restoration. He came to bring restoration. That inheritance that you lost and gambled away in your sinfulness, he will restore. He will restore what mankind has lost. The prodigal son found himself after he had taken his inheritance early and went and spent it on evil things. And he had spent it all and he found himself poor 
in a foreign country with nothing to eat, and he had to take the demeaning job of feeding pigs and ate of their food to stay alive. And he thought to himself, if I can just go back home and be like one of my father's servants, it will be better than this. Bible says when he came, his father saw him coming down the road, and he ran to meet him and kissed him. And it says he put a ring on his finger, signaling authority. He put a robe around him, put shoes on his feet. Slaves did not wear shoes. He killed the fattened calf and threw a celebration and a feast for his son who came home. He restored everything that he had lost, that he had wasted, that he had spent on foolish and evil things. Jesus Christ brought restoration to our relationship with God, restoration to Israel, restoration to all the nations of the earth who had believed. He wants to bring restoration to your life. Everything that was stolen from you, everything that you wasted and lost, well, you rejected God. He wants you to come home and let him restore it to you. Joel chapter 2 Beginning with verse 25, it says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. So he was telling Israel everything that had been destroyed of yours, everything that you had lost. In that day, the coming of the Lord, Jesus Christ the Messiah would come I will restore all that was taken. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 3. The scripture says that he came to comfort those who mourn. And verse 3 says, To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. When Jesus came, the Bible says that he bore our sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. He was chastised for our peace. He took those upon him so that we could be free from it, free from sorrow and pain that this life brings to us and that sin brings to us. Psalm chapter 40, beginning with verse 1, the psalmist David said to the choir master, a psalm of David, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. And he drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and put their trust in the Lord. He wants to take you off the ash heap and adorn you with righteousness and peace. He wants to pull you out of your depression and make you glad. He wants to replace the spirit of heaviness with a song of praise to our God. Some of you, if you've been saved, 
you need to notify your face. You need to notify your hands. You need to notify your lips. Because you have been saved. We were lost and now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. We were bound, but now we are set free. We were dead, but now we live again. We were bound for hell, but now we are citizens of heaven. The time of mourning has passed. The time of rejoicing and praise is now. He didn't die for you to hang your head low to be constantly sorrowful and afraid. He died so that you could be joyful and glad in the atonement that he brought for you. And when things are at their worst, he puts that new song of praise in our hearts. That even in the storm, even in the darkest night, we can worship God. And as we worship, Watch him move and work in our lives. Watch him stand up off his throne and move heaven and earth for his children. He takes us from death to life. I can't think of any greater change than bringing us from death to life. A man who interrupted funerals. He came to a city called Nain and a funeral procession was leaving the city as he was entering the city. It was a widow who lost her only son. And Jesus said, weep not to that widow. And she took, he took that young man by the head and said, young man, arise. And he lived again. And he delivered that young man into his mother's arms again. Jarius, the ruler of the synagogue's daughter was sick. And he called for Jesus, and Jesus, it took him a while to get there for all the people that were thronging him. And when he got there, it was too late. She had already died. The mourners had already begun to mourn. But Jesus put the mourners out, and they laughed at him because he said she only sleeps. And he took that woman by the hand, that little girl, and said, Arise. And she lived again. He went to the tomb of Lazarus. He was four days late after his passing. Late again. And Martha said, Lord, if you would have just been here, he wouldn't have died. It's been four days. Surely he stinks. Now, decomposition had already set in, surely. But he stood at the graveside. And he called out and said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that Lazarus got up and he walked out of that grave bound from head to toe. And he said, loose him and let him free. I'm so glad that Jesus one day stood at my grave where I had perished in sin, spiritually dead, and said, Aaron, come forth. Come out of that grave. And he said, loose him and and let him free. Remove the grave cloths. He is now alive in Jesus Christ. 
The funeral is over, church. Mourning is over. The Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but that joy comes in the morning. And Jesus Christ, that bright morning star, has brought the morning to this world with his arrival. Jesus was crucified. He was mocked. He was beaten with, with rods. He was whipped. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head. He was made to carry his own cross. And upon his arrival at Golgotha, nails were placed in his hands and his feet. And his cross was set in the ground as he suffered the most cruel death that you could, the Roman crucifixion. But as he gave up the ghost, as his life has expired, he said, it is finished. And the Bible says that the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The Levitical priesthood was gone. And now all of us could be kings and priests unto God. All of us could enter into the most holy place. Come before God's throne. Come before the mercy seat and experience the presence of God for ourselves. They laid him in a tomb. And the Pharisees were so afraid that his disciples would come and carry his body away and say he was resurrected, that they placed guards at the tomb. And the governor's seal was placed on the tomb so no man could enter and none could leave. But no manly decree and no centurion guard could hold Jesus Christ in the grave. On the third day, he rose. He resurrected from the grave. He burst open the grave. And he sits now at the right hand of, of the Father with power and authority. He created a bridge between man and God so that man can now be reconciled back to God, that man can now have a relationship once again with God, that we could find salvation just by confessing our sins and believing that he is who he says he is. He took the keys of hell and death. He led captivity captive. This was an inflection point in time. The world was changed forever by what Jesus did. Humanity's relationship with God was changed forever. It was restored. He was a savior bringing change. I want to read one more verse of scripture. It's Isaiah 61 verse 7. It says, instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have an everlasting joy. God wants to take away your sin, and he wants to take away your shame and your dishonor and replace it with a double portion of an inheritance with him. He doesn't just want to throw you a bone. He wants to make you his child and cover you with his blessings, with his love.
How radical a grace that he would take the most undeserving people that we were and save us, thought we were worthy of the death of his son to save us and make us then not just save us, but make us heirs of himself as he our father and join heirs with Jesus Christ himself to pull us from the irreversible caste system of sin and make us kings and priests unto God to completely alter our destiny from hell and torment for eternity to an eternity of joy and peace and everlasting joy in the presence of Almighty God. Accept Him into your heart. Let Him bring that change. Don't resist it. Don't fear it. All you got to do is accept it. It's time for a change. It's time to let Jesus change your life. I remember the day very vividly that I accept Jesus into my heart. That was an inflection point in my life where my life was forever changed. I was never the same. It made me the man I am today and it carried me through all the trials that life brought. It's time for your inflection point. If you don't know Jesus, it's time for change. It's time to let him change your life. That you may be able to look back and say, it was May 15th, 2022 at Gateway Church in Ashland, Kentucky, that my life was changed forever. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I was never the same from that moment on. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray I made a compelling argument this morning that you shouldn't go on living the way you are in darkness with no recourse, with no hope, with no purpose. But allow Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, who died for you to change your life. He doesn't just want to save you so you can serve him. He said, I want you to be my friend. I want a relationship with you. I want to pour out my blessings on you. I want to deliver you. I want to set you free. I want to give you joy and place of sorrow. I want to give you peace, everlasting peace. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and you want him to change your life, would you just slip up your hand? Amen. And for the rest of us, if you know Christ, there are times in our lives where we all still need change. There's a situation in our life that needs changing. 
When Jesus walked the shores of Galilee, he brought change with him everywhere that he went. Everyone or everything that he touched was changed for the better. He healed bodies. He opened blinded eyes. Needs were met, whether financial or physical or emotional. He met them all. Relationships were changed. There was restoration. He came as a Savior bringing change. And I want to open the altars up. If you raised your hand and you don't know Christ, I want you to come. If you have a need in your life where you need God to bring about change, I want you to come. We want to pray with you. We want to believe God with you that the same Messiah can make a change in your life. As they sing, let's worship God. For the change that Jesus brought. We love you. We thank you for coming. I pray that you are changed by the power of God, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray that none of us leave here the way we came in, but touched by Jesus. And just as he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do all these things, when he left, he left that mantle for us. So as you go, preach the gospel. Deliver the captives. Bring this good news to the poor. Bring joy and peace wherever you go by carrying his Spirit. Jesus Christ with you in your heart at all times. We love you. God bless you. May God be with you. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. I'm going to tell you something you don't know. It's hot in here. Anybody think it's hot? Uh, we want to apologize. We have a uh, unit down, and um, we're going to work really hard this week to get that fixed. 
Um, so, but because of that, there's a couple of things. Uh, we were going to do a meeting uh, up here for VBS. Uh, they're going to do that downstairs because it's much cooler down there. Uh, and also, the uh, we, we had a, a senior service, uh, um, young at heart service uh, this evening uh, that was going to take place at six o'clock. Uh, we're going to postpone that until um, next week because once again, it's hot in here. Uh, so go out, go downstairs, cool off. We love you. Have a great, great Sunday. Don't forget, I am Jonah. Uh, we'll be starting next week, and we'll be talking about the book.